Hello, everyone. It's Zach, and welcome to another episode of DC. I love you, XOXO. <laughs> I'm your host, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Ostrowski. Vince, how are you doing? A baker's dozen. <laughs> I was going to ask you how many comics we had today. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I uh, yeah. I, we, we didn't really pre-plan this. We did, and I was going to spring it on you just to make you groan. Um, I beat you to it. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Uh, Brian died. Um, yeah, he died. He um. Uh, Mr. Met found him in bed with Mrs. Met, and he airholed him with a <laughs> with an AR about five or six times. And <laughs> but hopefully he's on the show next week. Yeah, he might be back. We'll see. Um, so now you've got us. There's like a fifty fifty shot that this episode will lose the audio or something, and and you won't even hear any of this. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens, but. Uh, assuming you are listening listening to this, the first thing that we're going to do is talk about the uh, the recent Pokemon Direct for uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet that's coming out in November. Uh, Vince, what'd you think? Um, yeah, I can't wait. Um, that's the only thing we're going to talk about for an hour. So, um, yeah, I think you you mentioned something before the show about riding around on 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 motorcycles with. Emily and Walt. And uh-huh. I'm yeah, very excited about that. it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Welcome to Jizzberg episode two. <laughs> um, no, okay. Let's talk about uh, Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler number one by Tom King and Mitch Gerads. Uh, oh, shucks. Do we have to? Well, it is the it's probably the biggest book coming out this week, right? Uh longest, you mean? Sure, is that, that too. Is that, what, is that what you meant? Yeah, yeah. Large. I, uh, I suppose I should have known this because I'm sure it was in the solicits, I'm sure it was in those like ads that we've been seeing for the last couple of weeks, but um I didn't know this thing was 48 pages. And oh. I, I I Oh, it's longer than that. Is it really? What is it? 64? Yeah. Oh man. Okay, yeah, I'm, lo- well, I'm looking through the. I'm looking through the the our copy, and it's it's 67 pages, three oh. of which are ads. Okay. So and one that's pages. a cover, so it's 60, 63 pages, and that doesn't count yeah. like double page spreads and stuff, which I'm sure there are some. So, yeah, it's it's 60 plus pages for sure. Okay. Yeah. It it refused to. End. I kept turning the page, and I was like, Oh my god. It's this is still going on. Um, and then I think the ad, yeah, I'm pretty sure the ad in the back, like tells you these are, yeah. these are oversized issues or whatever, but yeah. which, which Holy. does make me excited for some of these that are, that are coming later. Maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to come out of the gate on this and say that I don't think I personally, I already know how you feel about this a little bit. I personally don't think that this is a a bad comic per se. I don't think this is a bad story per se. I think it's pretty unbearable. And I think it's a bad Riddler story. Yeah. But I think it's a fine prestige crime drama, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, 
I can go there. I, I think I can go there. Um, the problem is, is that it is supposed to be a definitive Riddler story. Right, exactly. And I think, I think, uh, from from step one, King doesn't understand the assignment, and he makes a story about the Riddler that is basically about the Riddler no longer being the Riddler and and taking on a role that literally any villain could take on. Yeah, like it's, lit- literally it's any if, villain could do this. It's what if Riddler was the Joker? Yeah, but I mean, some of the stuff that the Riddler does and says are are exact Joker. And I don't know whether that's on purpose because we'll, we'll get to it later. But there's a big, there's a couple big allusions, allusions to something else that we'll talk about that I think King is doing here, um, which I think is a bad idea. But, um, but I, I just think, like, yeah, exactly what you said. Like, it's turning, it turns Riddler into a more generic villain, and it's supposed to be kind of mind blowing. It's like half of this issue is like. Riddler's not following his patterns and that's why Batman can't figure it out. <laughs> right. Right. It's uh it's it's it kind of boggles the mind a bit that like it's just I don't I just I don't know. I don't I feel like it is actually just very hard to tell a good Riddler story now or just in general in the, in the current comics climate, because. Cause they're afraid to be goofy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the writers want to lean too hard into the, like how smart the Riddler is and try to make this like puzzle box character or this, they, they lean too hard into the riddles and like, but, but trying to make the riddles like hard as mm-hmm. opposed to like making the riddles fun and goofy. You know, honestly, probably the best Riddler story in the last 10 years was in Zero Year, where they were, where didn't he like make the like districts of Gotham into like a giant game board, basically? Do you remember that with like, yeah, with like the lights in- going out or something? Was that was in that, zero? was that in zero year or was that in I might be misremembering I mean zero year had like the I'm pretty sure it had like the power go out in Gotham that did happen and I, I thought there was a thing where like basically the game the Riddler was playing had to do with like the different sections of Gotham but maybe wasn't oh, there like a Gotham like one shot or a Riddler yeah. one shot that came out later that that did something. Yes, and it may have even been Snyder as well who wrote that. It may have been. I, I, it, it feels like that would have been later, though. I'm pretty sure that was post rebirth because. Uh, we see, talk, now we I think it was. about it on the show. Now I think it was like tied into some kind of event that DC was doing. Oh, was it like one of those one year later Riddler one shots? Didn't we really like that? Not one year later, Year of the Villains. Do you remember year that? Year of the Villain. Riddler. Let me let me look that up. Oh yeah, uh, Lex has presented dark gifts to supervillains al- around the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was um, a Mark Russell comic, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was Mark Russell and yes, Scott yes, yes. Scott Kudlowski. We liked this a lot. Yeah, we did. Uh, and it was because it, 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 the it was goofy. Was actually, the Riddler, and it was yeah. goofy. And I can't. That this is why I'm not. 
I mean, I was never really excited about the idea of Batman One Bad Day because even if some of the creative teams are interesting to me, I think like Batman is so done to death. And I think especially when you're saying like this is going to be a one shot that is a definitive story involving these villains, I think writers more often than not are going to err on the side of being very pretentious and fart sniffy, Mm -hmm. you know, because because it's almost like uh, I've got one shot at this and. I, and I want this to be able to stand on its own, right? Um, and we can toe the line between whether it's in continuity or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just, I think that's going to result in them trying to make it more black label slash realistic slash gritty versus embracing the, the silliness that's inherent to Batman villains. Yeah. I think, you know, this being a Tom King comic, uh, it might be that it's its own thing and that the other books will be nothing like it, but it's, it's a troublesome foot to, to start off on, I think. Um, yeah. Um, was there, was there anything about this that you liked or enjoyed? (sighs) Not really. I got to say um, that, man, I'm sorry to do that. I got to apologize to everybody because it's going to be me bashing another Tom King book. Um, I almost want to vow to never talk like myself. You guys can if you want, but for myself to never read or talk about another Tom King book on this show because I'm I'm just so in a rut with this guy. I, you know, I, I liked, or I, or I like, um, the human target book that's, that's coming out right now. But other than that, like, I'm just so worn out of this and actually this issue made me wonder whether I, (laughs) it makes me wonder whether I really like superhero comics or not, or ever did, or, or even know why I did. I would, I would say that this is almost not even a superhero comic. Well, the reason this is why like I... this is a straight up like crime comic, you know this this could be this could be your basic image, <laughs> creator own crime comic. Just just remove the Batman and Riddler trappings. You're right, but I think like I I I think this is what all comics are more or less trying to be now, mm-hmm. or like. Or this is what's considered good or prestigious, or because shit like this keeps winning awards, you know. Um, and I think I and I'm being facetious when I say like, did I ever really love? No, I just mean like the current configuration is turning me off so often. Everything that's considered like mature or the height of the genre or whatever is so in opposition to what I want you know mm-hmm. um that it just it just makes me think like god what am i doing <laughs> am this I doing is this it's it is really weird you know i have gone on record on the show of saying that i think tom king does pretty good one shots and if and of course this like proves me wrong <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> um or is in opposition to that 
this is just such a such well so like directly compared to the last thing that we read of him the the world without superman story which i thought i liked you know and and thought highly of and thought was pretty hopeful this on the other hand is as dismal and nihilistic as it gets you know um the this story basically posits that like the idea of batman will ultimately like end in failure you know mm-hmm. um like it like it just can't the logical conclusion of batman is failure which is like fine whatever i don't like batman that much so I, it's, <laughs> it's fine but it's like also that's not the point of batman you know and i guess maybe it's not like fair of me to say that you can't tell these kinds of stories with batman i just don't know why you would want to it it seems like the death of the idea of the character when you have to resort to these kinds of stories yeah it it really does um and and actually that leads me to I'm, i may as well just say it um you should so, just say it yeah this is this is tom king trying to do the riddler's killing joke mm-hmm. um including the final scene where it could be t- taken ambiguously as to whether Batman kills the Riddler or not. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, I guess, I guess I did read it very much that I feel like it is even less ambiguous than the killing joke though. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Yes. But of course they don't show it and they, they don't, don't show it. it. No, no. Yeah. Cause they can't, but, but that's clearly what they're going for with the nine panel grid and the, and the the thing about Batman saying, you know, oh, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I will let go of the reins that are holding me back, sort of thing. Yeah. And I just think that's such a. No other writer would do that, right now, and that's because every other writer has, um, more restraint and better taste than Tom King does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. no other, every other writer would be like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch that. And a lot of people, a lot of people think that's audacious and they think that that's like, Oh man. Wow. But the, the fact is like many writers could do this, but they have the sense not to. Right. Right. Um, and the killing joke gets referenced several times throughout this as well even even going so far as to posit that like the riddler (laughs) orchestrated the killing joke essentially yeah or maybe not orchestrated it but allowed it to to take place yeah Um, it's it's said that he staked out gordon and babs and then and then got bored and gave it to the joker right gave all the information to the joker yeah which is again just like my eyes rolled out of my head. <laughs> um, this is this is like what if you imagine an edgy Riddler, and then oh, you didn't do a good enough job. He's even edgier than that. Yeah, this is you even know. edgier than stupid, sexy, shirtless Riddler. Yeah, this is a different kind of Riddler. Um, which I will say, talking about Riddler designs. And I guess just moving on to the art in general, I did think that the art in this was good. Um, Sometimes I think Garrett's like faces are a little too, uh, 
uh, going for some kind of like weird photorealism. Like it, it, it very much looks like a lot of the faces are are pulled from models. I don't know that they are, but they have that quality. He, and it, he does he he does like to do like celebrity um, uh-huh. uh, uh, referencing. Yeah, like I I can't pick out anybody in this particular comic that he was photo referencing, except that that professor, Professor Yellen in this, uh-huh. that is somebody. And I cannot figure same, out who it is. Same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the one that gets me the most him and, and uh, his dad, uh, Edward's dad, there's something oh, about sure, him sure. that has like, just kind of this like uncanniness to it. And so like there, there is something about that photo referencing that, or, or, or at least what seems to be photo referencing taking place that takes me out of what is kind of an otherwise like very surreal landscape with like the, the coloring and the, the just, just Garrett's like general style. Yeah. And there's some interesting perspective stuff at times. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on the figures. I, yeah. I've never been a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think the art looks really good i think like the sequence where bruce goes to the cabin felt like very like uh i i I just felt like the the like staging and the 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 way that like light is used in that or like light effects are used is it was just like a very cool sequence um but um and and i like i like his riddler design he's like he's very like thin and gaunt and there's that really good uh there's that scene of him after he like murks that guy on cctv where he's just like standing there in the bowler hat with the the like batman business card Mm -hmm. which which is like a very chilling look and then and then he has like the the green I paint and and several. I I think like his Riddler design is is good. Um, it's just not a it's just not a very good comic. I think yeah. not a, it's definitely not a good Riddler comic to me. No, and and I can see what you like. Like, there's there's nothing really annoying about the dialogue. I think mm. like this doesn't this doesn't feature the typical Tom King ticks that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. I think as far as a, a, a plot goes, you're right. If this were anyone but the Riddler, or if this were some generic villain, it, yeah, exactly. But almost all of my problems with this comic have to do with this being the Riddler character. Even down to his backstory. Because, like, so there's a backstory that weaves through this, where the Riddler is this uh, student at an academy where his father's the headmaster. And his father's super strict, spanks him with a book when he doesn't get perfect grade on a test, that whole thing. Like, like his father is made out to be the most irredeemable. Like, there's not a moment. This is not a, a, a balanced character, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's supposed to be like the bad upbringing that results in him becoming the Riddler or whatever, that whole classic thing. But the like he's this guy who studies the facts so much that he can get A's on all these tests, except that this wacky professor that he has throws a riddle at the end of every test and he can't solve the riddle. (laughs) He doesn't know how riddles work. He, He only knows what he studied and you can't study a riddle. And it's just so 
fucking on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid that like the, the Riddler's origin is that he couldn't, he couldn't solve riddles. And then he became the best. Ever. <laughs> the best. It's also like, I, I thought that that part was also, I mean, it was like very rote, but it was also kind of cringe in that, like as, as a like youth, Edward is like clearly very troubled and like this teacher is just like yo bro you're so cool like just be you you know <laughs> yeah now that you mention it yes it's like like this kid is ex- exhibiting some like pretty troubling like s- signs and things like I, you know I don't I don't want to be glib but like he, he he is putting off some very bad vibes and like as oh, a teacher yeah. like you should maybe pick up on that a little bit. Um, so really I don't know. I just, he's I just like sobbing was... in this guy's office. And yeah. Then... And he's just like, Hey man, let's go play basketball. Uh, <laughs> um, so like, I, I thought that was like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he had getting his face smashed into the pavement coming to him. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which, again, like, yeah, that 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 is an origin that's like tailored to this guy being the Riddler, but it's so on the nose and so like over the top, mm-hmm. but in, but not in a fun way. Like, there, there's not a bit of it that's like winking or having any fun. And I, I mean, I can't imagine this book uh, where five or six members of the Gotham PD are made to shoot one another in an extremely bloody, uh, friendly fire killing is supposed to have any moments of levity in it. But like, it's just not, I'm tired of this. Yeah. 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 It's like, what's that Joker series that's coming out? Like the Joker, the man who didn't laugh or something like that. (laughs) And this, this is Riddler, the, the man who didn't riddle who could, who couldn't riddle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Oh god. Oh god. The man who the man who didn't laugh. Who's writing that? I don't um let's check. Um so yeah, I, I didn't like it. The bit man of this, who stopped laughing. That's the man who stopped laughing. Uh Ty Tynion? No. no. Hold on. No. no, it picks up from where Ty Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, oh, oh, and okay. DG and Domenico. I'm out. The man who stopped riddling. <laughs> you could do that so, with every every rogues, uh, uh, every rogues uh, DC rogues gallery character. Uh, yeah, Mister Freeze, the man who stopped freezing. Uh, <laughs> uh, the penguin, the 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 man who lost weight and became. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I don't. don't, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to talk about a couple other things, like specifically things to do with the Riddler that are bad ways to write the Riddler that this book does. Mm -hmm. Um, If if you, as long as, do you have anything else to? No, I have nothing else. So just go off. Okay. I just wanted to get a few of these off. So my least favorite scene, uh, in the whole book is 
th- that scene I alluded to earlier where th- there's these uh, Gordon comes in with these uh, GCPD guys. I think what are they going to do? Like they, they, they're torturing uh, the Riddler for information or something at this point, or they're good. They, oh, they, they I don't thought want, they were they just like, give him... Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I thought they were just like transferring him. Oh, that okay. The one that I think that you're about to talk about the, the like crossfire scene or yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they're just like transferring him. Okay. Yeah. I just can't remember what the premise of that was, but he wants to, he wants to see Batman and until he sees Batman, all these awful things are, are happening. Right. Earlier in the comic, he, uh, he gets film freak to kill himself, uh, by slitting his own throat because he loses a bet. They his prison cells right next to him. Actually, that might be my second least favorite scene because that's like the one time where this book comes closest to doing the Tom King thing because film freak is slitting his own throat and bleeding out on the walls and the floor of his cell. And he's like calmly talking about how, well, bet's a bet and I just got to do this. And next time I'll think of a harder trivia question. And he's like, literally like cutting his own throat as he's saying all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's just so like, 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 Oh, Tom, Tom King thinks like, wouldn't this be really, uh, really epic if, and, and twisted if some guy were just normally talking as he slid his own throat. Um, so, so that, that's something that happens. And then, Oh, that's maybe why he's getting transferred. Come to think of it. Because all the because he's doing like all these bad yes, things. Yes, that, that I think that is him. why because they they are like he sh- they shouldn't have even been able to heal him because, um, or to hear him because he uh, the walls of the cell the walls are yeah are too thick. Yeah. But it's like okay, we're gonna go ahead and uh, move him into solitary just in yeah. case. Yeah. So so then. He like he's being transferred and he starts talking about like personal information um, of the of the guards families or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they start they start to get, to get nervous because like, oh, how do you know that about my wife and kids or whatever? And then they just start firing at one another because they think like it's like a self-preservation thing or something like it. I First of all, that scene is specifically something that the Joker would do. Not the Riddler. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to me because it's like, first of all, they're supposed to have rubber bullets. Like Gordon is like, he, he tells the Riddler, like, if you move, we will shoot you. We have rubber bullets. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I don't think I, don't, I made that up. I'll uh, take your word for it. I don't, yeah, he's, yeah, he says, uh, he, okay, well, I guess they could have real bullets too because he's like, I don't like warnings. Let's start with rubber bullets. Bring him to his knees is what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like, I didn't think the scene made sense like visually or like from a like story standpoint because yeah, this this guy shoots, but you get the impression that he's like trying to shoot Riddler and he like dodges he like moves and gets the other guy and And then then that guy just like yeah they just all start shooting each other and it's just like it's just very weird I don't know again it's supposed to be shocking and twisted versus like make any sense I even think the like I took it as these guards are feeling off kilter and threatened because if the Riddler knows something about 
uh, their family, then, you know, it's going to, it's going to be with them for the rest of their life, or it's going to, it's going to be something they have to think about forever and, and constantly be on their toes. Mm-hmm. So then they start, yeah, it's chaos starts in the cell or whatever. And, and I, I just didn't buy that these guys would have that reaction, like to the point of all of them dying. It seems very contrived, you know? Yes. It's a very contrived thing to have happen. And it's also something that's not, again, not befitting of the Riddler as we know the Riddler. But of course, that's the whole point of this book. He's, in fact, somebody even says he's not the man you once knew. Right. Um, Right. Which is like, come on. And it is just like, it is so dramatic, though, just like by the end that he's just like living in this like hotel suite. And he is like, he's just so untouchable that like yeah. all he, the other criminals of Gotham are like bowing to him and like, yeah, people are, people are making huge donations of money to him so that he stays away from their family. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Bruce oh. even tries, he's like, I tried to bring in the national guard, but he's got the <laughs> governor's son. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I actually like it less now that we're talking about it. And yeah. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the, the only other dumb scene I want to mention is that Riddler, they also do the thing with Riddler where, uh, again, like the Joker, it's implied that he's been in the Batcave and he's been in, Wayne Manor and he like he like sneaks in often and like looks in the drawers and stuff and he took a dollar once just to see if Bruce would notice and he knows all of their identities and (laughs) that's what's like driving that's what drives Batman to ultimately like decide that he's gonna have to kill him or whatever whatever the you know final scene is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that whole thing just read like he's just the Joker now all of yeah. the stuff he's saying and doing is exactly what we went through with Joker in the death of the family mm-hmm. thing. And uh, it just, you know, I, I understand that like whether something is a, a good story or has good structure or whatever is, is different from whether it is a good addition to the DC canon or whether it follows the, the, the characters closely enough. And, and usually I give a lot of leeway to that stuff because I, I care, I care less about characters acting um, like they should than I do about a good story being written, mm-hmm. Ex- except that we do already have a Joker and we have so much Joker. <laughs> we don't need a, a, another Joker or a replacement for the Joker. We already have that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, yeah. just a, it's a disturbing trend for for Batman villains in general, I think. I think mm-hmm. that's my, you know, one thing I'll say before I'm done is I've been watching a lot of, uh, of that um, HBO Max Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, is that, like, is that, is that good? It's not the, it's, 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 it's got its moments. It's not the greatest thing in the world. They, they, there is really an over-reliance on, like having the character swear <laughs> uh, like okay. half the time. It's just supposed to be funny that, that the Joker says fuck or whatever. Well, but, how um, else are you supposed to know that it's adult animation? Yeah, exactly. But, but it's got its moments. And the thing that I like the most about it 
is that it really plays with the extended goofy villain cast of Gotham. Like more than we've seen in a long, long time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're allowed to be goofy because it is a comedy, but it doesn't make, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make the show any less compelling because Bane is kind of a goofball or because, uh, you know, the, the penguin is uh, Newman from Seinfeld or whatever, you know, like, Oh, that does kind of make me want to watch it a little bit. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, it's one of those things where like, you can throw it on and you can be like doing something else, you know, mm-hmm. don't like I was, I was doing, uh, I was doing some like bill paying and like banking and stuff. And, and I had an episode on the other night and it was just, it was just nice to have on, but like, I so much prefer that tone because, because that's the other thing that show gets violent and it gets like gritty and serious sometimes, you know? And I think the great thing about comics is they can do that. And I'm not even saying they have to do that. Like there's obviously room for every type of genre, right? So if somebody's going to do a grim and gritty Batman story, like that, that is a story for somebody else who likes that stuff. I just think like, everything is going in that direction mm-hmm. so often, you know, this is the, this is the a version of the Riddler that we get in the Batman movie, the Robert Pattinson one, you right? Know, this could be the same. This guy is less of like an incel uh, YouTube guy, but although he does have like a social media presence that's alluded to on here. Yeah. Um, but I just think like, I, as a trend for these villains, I just don't, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah. Certain. Yeah. There, there is certainly like a, a bit of like, uh, you know, a lack of creativity when, when he is essentially just like another Joker. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's been a pitfall of the Riddler for a while now. It's just that he, like a lot of writers struggle to write him as anything other than just another Joker. Yeah. Like a like a more uh sane joker. Mm-hmm. I guess. So, I don't which know. Which was which was also kind of the premise of the War of Jokes and Riddles uh it, art. Yeah, it was. You know, it's the, the the one of the reasons why I hated that story so much is because the premise was hey, these guys are basically the same except one tells jokes and one does riddles and that's not yeah. At all how I see it. And a yeah. riddle and a joke are basically the same thing anyway. <laughs> What's the difference? Oh, God. I'm gonna slit my throat like film freak. We need a we need a new like joke based character in DC that just has like really self deprecating humor, you know? Yeah. He could be French. He could be called like Le Joker Man or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, didn't we see that character in Static Shock recently in the New Fifty Two? <laughs> yes. Yep. www.patreon.com/dc3cast. Uh, Is that it? That's it. Yeah, that's the one. Um, okay, Are you ready to move on? We talked about this book way more than I expected to. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go. Okay, let's talk about something on the exact opposite end of the spectrum: uh, Batman, <laughs> Superman, World's Finest, number. Six. Um, 
I guess I'll start this off by saying that written by Mark Wade. Uh, by yeah. Thank, thank you. Yeah, I did. I did forget that. Um, this was not what I expected from the Tim Drake stuck in the past arc. Dick Grayson. Yeah, it is Dick. Dick Robin. They're all the same. Who cares? One Robin. Uh, well. It would be weird to have a Tim Drake story where the entire thing is about being a trapeze artist. It would be weird. It would be weird. Slip of the tongue. You caught me. Um, Yeah. uh, Dick Dick Grayson uh, being in the past storyline, but it it was very fun um, and uh, very goofy. And, uh, and I generally liked it. What, what did you think? Yeah, same. Uh, You'll remember I think the only thing that's disappointing to me is uh, you you might remember that when we talked about this book last, I said, ooh, one of the most interesting things potentially at DC right now is what happened to this Grayson that went to the past. And the answer is it doesn't matter. It's all resolved. (laughs) Yes. That's the the only thing about this that made me go, ah, I wish that would have been, it was more interesting when that was something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What we, got, what we got instead was a very light and fun one-off. That man, I appreciate stories like this. Mm-hmm. Um, just that the idea that it's just like a one-off where uh, Batman and Superman show up to help Dick Grayson s- save the day at this uh, circus, and. You know, in contrast to the Tom King book we just talked about, this book does not care if parts of it are goofy. Like, there's basically a throwaway line at the end of the issue where it's like, and people barely noticed that Batman and Superman were here (laughs) flying around and, and using freeze breath to take care of the fire. And, you know, like it's not concerned with being realistic at all. These heroes travel through time on a whim, solve whatever the problem of the day is. And nobody who's around like really pays any attention or thinks about it. It's that's what I want. (laughs) Mark Wade knows what I want. Uh, He's going to give it to me. I do still feel like there is maybe more to that than we, uh, than, than Wade is ready to, tip his hand to especially with like we already know there's some teases towards some zero hour shenanigans eventually and and i wonder even with like the way that this dick grayson lost in time story ends if there's not going to be more to it eventually but within the pages of this story like you said it's just handled so lightly and and so innocently in in a way it feels like a comic from a a bygone era you know um the stakes are so low they're just they're essentially trying to solve a string of murders so that the they're they're trying to save the life of these poor animals who are going to take the fall for these (laughs) this string of murders which is so so sweet (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and Dick Grayson literally has to do detective work to, yes. to fix this. And he's got 24 hours to do it. It's just such a it's a great premise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a classic mm-hmm. premise. It works. Um, it gets it gets Batman and Dick back to some detective roots a little bit, but in a fun way. 
mm-hmm. not, not in like a gritty way. Um, and it's really, it reminds me so much of like a golden age. They used to do these golden age stories where the heroes would be like plucked out of time or there would be a team up and they would, they would make it very clear to you because like back, back in the golden age, they had to stick to all these very strict rules about like, all right, these characters aren't normally together. So if it happens, it's an imaginary story or whatever, you know, it's, it, this is like an imaginary story from the golden age um, where Batman and Superman team up, solve a crime in the past, and then nobody ever talks about it again, except Mm -hmm. it's great because it features modern artistic sensibilities and modern dialogue, which if you go back and read golden age stories, they're so interminable because that stuff is so overwrought. So it's like the best it's, to me, this is like the best of both worlds. You get a very light golden agey story. That's silly. And you get the modern sensibilities where not everything has to be bogged down in constant, uh, explanation and exposition all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny how like Bruce and Clark just show up mid story, <laughs> jump right in. And then we do get like a bit of flashback explaining how they got there, but it's just like, Ah, we followed the tachyons of the rock that you left us. And that's it. <laughs> yep. It amounts to exactly the thing that was set up by Supergirl in the previous arc. You know, mm-hmm. it's Yeah. We we can just we can just travel through time at will now, and that's not a problem. Right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel like Tim Robinson at that party, like <laughs> it doesn't matter. They didn't matter. It's like they weren't supposed to be there. They don't matter at all. That's how I feel about exposition. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. So it, it's 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 a good fun issue. It, it you know little little one off epilogue sort of to you know resolving this thread from the end of the last arc before we get into this next arc with the the boy thunder, which I'm I'm very intrigued by whatever that is. Um, Travis Moore's art was very good i it wasn't quite to my sensibilities as much as mora's is but like mora is just one of the best of the best in my opinion right now like like his style is exactly what i want from cape comics um whereas like uh mora's is a little more clean um but it's still still technically like very very good yeah. Yep. I, I think I feel the same way. I'm probably a little higher on more than you are, but, but yeah, I, I too think Dan Mora is like best of the best right now. And, but, but what I will say is following Mora with Travis Moore is a pretty good choice, I think. And also like when you compare, when you compare the art we've been getting on this book to something like the flash before, uh, no Alpon mm-hmm. got on that book. Like how does one book get this level of artistic riches? And then like the flash goes through this like rotating band of artists where none of them really fit the character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I mean, it's the Mark Wade effect, I guess. I and guess. The, the Batman Superman effect also. Yeah. 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 Um, Anything else on this book? 
Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, all right. Well, next up, we have uh, Black Adam number three, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. Um, why don't you start us off on this one? Sure. So I am not sure what happened in like half of this. <laughs> <laughs> do, you feel, do you feel the same way? Yeah, but it's. I think you're not. I think it's intentional. I don't think yeah. it's like because of like poor writing. I suspect you're right too. And the reason, well, first of all, it's, it's Christopher priest, which is one uh, reason why I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but also there's already been events that happened in issues one and two that have been recontextualized or uh, revealed to be something else by subsequent issues. Mm -hmm. And so that's what makes me, there's a big segment in this that, I, I don't really know what happened, but I'm willing to give it another issue or two uh, to give me the explanation. Like I'm not worried about it. Yes. But I'm, but I'm going to have problems talking about it because I don't really know what happened yet. Um, so, and the part that I'm alluding to is there's, there's a whole section where, you know, Theo Adams body is dead on the, on the operating table apparently. But um, Malik suspects that somewhere deep down black Adam still exists within him, even though he's been given Malik has been given like the Shazam power to call upon black Adam. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole segment then where you see black Adam, like <clears throat> interacting with these figures of like ancient Sumerian history, like Sargon of Akkad, um, mm -hmm. and, Ish and Ishtar and her sister, whose name I would have to double check. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, I don't have it in my notes, but yeah. But, so, and it's, there's part, bits of it that are like, okay, is this really happening to him or is this some sort of illusion or is this like a, which is even referenced in the dialogue? Yes. Yep. Which is, and then it, and then it's not really resolved by the end at the end of the issue. He just kind of, like Malik uh, calls upon the lightning or whatever, says Shazam. He like gets shocked on the table and then ends up waking up. And that's kind of the last thing that happens. And I, I, I won't say that that part is confusing because of the art. I think it's intentionally, we're not supposed to know exactly what happened. Yes. I, ha I have to think that's the case. Um, yeah, I, I, so the way the way I read it is that when, well, I okay, so like we, it reads like Black Adam is in some kind of form of afterlife, like a specifically like Sumerian version of the afterlife, mm -hmm. and we don't enter that until Malik shocks him on the table. Yes. And so it's almost like he he his consciousness doesn't exist again until that moment. And there's some like really interesting dialogue where this character Sargon comes in um and as they're fighting this giant bull of heaven which is <laughs> incredible. Um Oh yeah, which is like is that is that supposed to be the teacup from the I don't know. That's crazy if it is. 
Okay, I don't. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but he says like um, he has this like very long monologue about um, you know essentially like is any of this real? Is this just ox- oxygen uh, deprivation? What if your gods are just bacteria that you picked up flying through space and they created this? Gave you they read your memories and gave you everything you ever wanted uh all this like very like high concept heady again like morrisonian stuff and it's just i was it, reminded of so Prome- good. like alan moore's promethea actually okay i've never read that so yeah big promethea vibes okay um i just think i just think the writing is just so interesting and it's almost like what is happening on the page is so fun and interesting visually and even if it even if it doesn't fully make sense yet, you get the sense that it is very deliberate and like intentional. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, we it, every single issue has gone back and recontextualized something from a previous issue. Yeah, and in fact, the opening moments of this do that with the. So you know, in the first couple issues, we saw um, Black Adam uh, chasing after Darkseid and fighting. Dark side and and uh, Desaad, and then that was revealed. It was revealed that 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 was an illusion, or that wasn't what he thought it was. And then it wasn't until this issue at the very beginning that it's revealed that that Desaad was actually Ishtar in disguise. Except that this is maybe this is just maybe his like death dream. Maybe, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, but again, it recontextualizes that conflict from the first couple issues mm-hmm. in a very fun and unexpected way. So, like, I fully expect the next issue to maybe do that for this third issue, right? Which is a very fun way to do serialized comics, you know? Yeah, uh, it's it's a little frustrating unless you're willing to let go, and I think like I have trouble with that, but I'm I'm. When when great creators do it, I, I feel like I have an easier time just letting them take me. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry, I probably interrupted you there. Oh no, you didn't. You're fine. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I really like Malik as a character. Um, mm. I like this extended cast. Um. I am. I feel very invested in whatever it is Priest is doing here. I uh, yeah. I think it's good. Um, I'm a little sad still that this is only twelve issues, but he he definitely seems to have a big plan. So, um. I guess I don't have a lot more to say about it other than uh, Sargon is like a great dumb superhero design. Fantastic costume. Oh, yeah. And Ishtar's too. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. All all the designs in that Sumerian like illusion or death dream or whatever it is look great. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ishtar and and her sister. um, uh, I was going to have it pulled up. So uh, Er... Aresh Kagal uh, look very look very good. Kind of what you might expect from like a like an ancient, 
you know, Middle Eastern god. Um, but then, like, Sargon is, like, a superhero, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's the, the reveal that he might be a future Malik, which is very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think there's a, there's a lot of promise here, which, you know, we, uh, we expected big things from this book, and I think Priest is delivering so far. Definitely. Um, also, I really like the covers. Who are the who's the cover artist on this? Oh, that's uh, a good question. Irvin Rodriguez. That is not mm. a name I'm familiar with, and typically I don't really like these kind of like photorealistic covers. But this is this has kind of like a painterly style. It's very. Um, Almost kind of. Uh, who is the artist that I'm trying to think of? I can't remember the artist's name. It's it. They. It's not as like surrealist, but um. In each of Stephen King's Dark Tower books, he gets different artists to do like interstitial artwork. And some some of them are like very good. He gets like Bernie Wrightson to do at least like one or two of them, and, and they're like very good. A few other comics people, but in the second book, the the artist in that one reminds me kind of of this uh, the style. So I, I I do I like the covers. It's it's a nice contrast with what's in the book. I think. Mm. Um. So. Uh. Anything else? Um. I don't think so on this one. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with our Dark Crisis check-in. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, so we're back to talk about the two Dark Crisis tie-ins for this week. Uh, first up, we have... Um, well, we didn't talk about what order we want to do these in. Do you have a preference? Um, no, I really don't. Okay, let's, let's, uh, we'll stick to... Oh, man, the alphabetical naming conventions go out the window when you have to, like, think about, like, do you consider the T, the the, do you consider Dark Crisis in the, I don't know. Uh, Let's talk about Dark Crisis Young Justice first, I guess. Um, Dark Crisis Young Justice number three, written by uh, Megan Fitzmartin, illustrated by Laura Braga. Oof, I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to carry this because I I lost the thread on this about like halfway through and just skimmed the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're just not a fan of this. No. Uh, what, should I like this more than I do? Should I be giving this more of a more of a try? No, I don't think so. Especially based on like. <laughs> Your your argument in the last time the last time we talked about this was 
strong, you know, like I couldn't find any holes in your argument that it was um, treating the, the, the prior young justice runs as if they had no value and, you know, kind of using these characters as uh, soundboards for some like very generic ideas about like the, the modern history of, of superhero comics and like how uh, politically correct stuff has been handled in them. Like, like I, I totally, I totally agree that that stuff is true, but I think I, I still feel like there's affection for all these characters here, even if there's not affection for the stories they came from. And I feel like <sighs> something about just seeing these characters together interacting and dwelling upon their histories together and really drilling down and, and, and getting to the melodrama of it all. It's, it's, what I like in these like youthful teen based comics, you know, I, I don't really like um, your adult superheroes like infighting or, 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 uh, you know, arguing a lot or anything like that. But I feel like when you do it with these teen characters, it makes sense. And when they, there, there's several times throughout this issue where like the characters are offered, what should be an ideal version of the earth for them to live on. Kind of like we've seen with, with dark crisis and every one of them realizes that there's something, there's something in the current continuity, even though it's not perfect or even though their, their life went down this windy path to get there, that is worth not losing. And I think Fitzmartin does a really keen job of taking these characters and who they were in the pre-crisis or the pre-crisis, pre-flashpoint, I mean, Mm -hmm. and melding them with this new world in a way that I think like, you know, Bendis's Young Justice, it kind of attempted to do some of this same stuff, Mm -hmm. but I really don't, I really don't think he went, I think he, he didn't go far enough with that stuff none of that stuff was ever really meaningfully um, grappled with or resolved. And I feel like Fitzmartin's really doing that here, like really putting in the work. Now you could argue whether you like your comics to do that or not. Maybe you'd rather just brush by it. Um, Or you can argue that she's not doing a good job at doing that. And I just think I happen to think that she is. Um, But I really like these specific characters grappling with these like past traumas and their kind of misplaced roles in the DCU. And it, it feels like she's going to take the entire six issues to do that. Mm-hmm. But I, and I, so I get, I, I'm not recommending you get into this more because I don't think you're going to like it, but I'm still digging it. Um, and I think Laura Braga's art looks really good too. So that doesn't hurt, but um, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel like she's really putting in some, some interesting work here um, that, that, that I think Bendis started and just didn't really meaningfully do anything with. 
Okay. I I think that's totally fair. I I I can't exactly put my finger on why this is like just so uninteresting to me out, outside of some of the things that I said last time and then just like also the fact that I mean you you are right like Bendis did recently kind of touch on similar ideas and I, and I feel like really since Rebirth at least like these characters have existed just in this like liminal space of like what is my existence you know like what is my history what what matters what's important just all of this stuff and it's just a, it's just like makes me a little weary i think um and i know like these events are a time for looking to the past definitely um i i don't know i'm just a curmudgeon <laughs> yeah so and i'll probably just leave it at that <laughs> maybe this will win me over by the end if this does something like really interesting on like a big meta level maybe i'll really get into it i don't know i i think this was the issue that was going to be the turning point for that and and kind of the way that it went instead i think it's just going to keep doing the same thing okay like this does not have the the turn that like this issue of flash that we're about to talk about take sure you know? sure this one almost on the last page, it almost doubles down on, okay, these, these three are going to have to work through their shit for a few more issues. So, yeah. Yeah. I I am very curious to see where this leaves them at the end of this series. Like if, if yeah. maybe we'll finally have some, like be able to put some of this stuff to rest and, and leave them in a, in a place where, something cool and new and interesting can happen. I don't know if we get a new young justice out of this, that might be cool. Yeah. Okay. I want to want to move on to the flash 785. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. So we've got flash 785 written by Jeremy Adams Illustrated by M and K and Wellpon, and so I, I have to say that with this issue, I was both right and wrong. In that, Brian said, "No, we're done with those other two, the like Mad Max and Batman stories, and we're just going to be stuck on the Barry story," which it didn't did not happen here. But we are done with them by issues end, <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, as usual, it's somewhere in between. Um, I also want to note really quick before we talk about the issue that this was originally solicited as a three issue tie in to Dark Crisis, and then they extended it to five. And you can clearly see <laughs> what this was going to be when it was just a three issue series. Yep. Or three issue tie in. Um, because this arc essentially ends and Barry goes off to do Dark Crisis and now the Flash crossover will continue as more of like an ancillary thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's, and which is totally fine. It's just, it's just very funny when you can like see the edges of the thing so clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, 
but I, but I will. Yeah, you know what? I like that because this this felt very. It still felt very breezy, you know. Like it they're, did, they're, yeah. they're tacking onto it, but it still feels like it's. Yeah, it, it it avoided being the thing that I think we were a little worried about. Yeah, I thought I really was afraid that it was going to be five issues of this. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. And I think it shows a lot of restraint to be like, no, it's it's a three issue thing that's then going to turn into something else. Yep, which while is still being a dark crisis tie. Yeah. Well, still exactly yes, and I did I did think, um, I guess my biggest detraction on this is i think that the way that the barry is missing storyline the barry retrieval arc if you will uh is handled wraps up a little um abruptly and and aside from like the the way linda is a corporate incorporated it's a little underwhelming for how much that story was built up i think in the lead up to dark crisis, but everything else in this issue, I, I thought was very fun and good. And I liked it. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think? I agree. I think, I think it does. That part is handled a little abruptly. You can kind of see what they're doing where like, uh, Wallace is starting to remember that his dad should be dead, even though in this world he's not or whatever. Um, and then like, with that and with Linda coming in and with Wally, like kind of finally getting through to Barry, all of that is coming together to kind of shake the foundations of this earth. But I think that that part is not, first of all, it is, it's handled very abruptly, but also I think it's not, it doesn't come across as clearly as it could or mm-hmm. as impactfully, you know, it, it is kind of funny how it builds to that. And it's not as triumphant as a moment as you think it will be. You know, right. Considering this um, has been like, this has been the big infinite frontier mystery or like driving force, I think, at least in my eyes. Um, and it's kind of resolved outside of this <laughs> in a, in an ancillary tie in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which is interesting, but it's, but I would trade. Oh yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, but I would trade, I would trade it feeling abrupt for it, or I would trade it being too decompressed to it feeling abrupt. You know, like there's yeah, same. If it's if it's between this and like a six issue arc where Barry slowly realizes what's going on, like oh, I'll take I'll take this any day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um are you? a bigger fan of Mad Max Barry or Night Flash Barry? Um, I can say this because he's not here, but against all odds, <laughs> I was a bigger fan of the Night Flash uh-huh. bit because I'd like the silly, the origin that like per- perfectly intersects Barry and Bruce's or superhero origins <laughs> where like they, they kind of do the, uh, parents getting killed in front of the theater thing and the lightning that comes in and strikes Barry, except they do it all in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Both things happen. Um, it, it's, it's very like, again, briskly done and, and kind of 
willing to be a little silly. So I, I think yeah. I like that bit more. The Mad also, Max also thing. makes his arch villain who is Benjamin Button, gangster <laughs> Benjamin Button. Yes. Yep. The Mad Max bit. Um, I certainly liked seeing Jesse Quick and Max Mercury together, but that world didn't do, end up doing much for me. There's like a MacGuffin with a giant like pearl that he needs to. I didn't really understand that MacGuffin bit or care about it at all. Sure. But. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree. And I actually, I feel like there is, I, I feel like Adam's put enough world building into the night flash world that he is going to return to it eventually. I could see that. I, I got the impression that like, I, I could see because there's like specifically a line about where it were knives. The Benjamin button villain is like, uh, Oh, world without the night flash. I, I, that's that's interesting you know and i could i could see an arc later down the line assuming assuming adams is going to stay on the flash where he finds his way to the main earth um and maybe they have to like team up with night flash to do something i i could see that and the night flash design is very good i think um it's very like 90s batman um with like the like spiky shoulder cape uh and and the it's just a it's a f- way more fun design than it has any right to be or, or right to have, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, uh, the art was, again, like continues to, to be very good. Um, I feel like Noel Pond's a great fit for this book. And, and I, I hope, you know, he stays on this book for a while. I think, I think there, it's kind of funny, even like the opening page, I thought kind of something about like the staging and the composition reminded me of some of the pages that, uh, Passerin or Conrad have done in the book earlier, but then you get to like the more dynamic flash pages and it's like night and day. Um, so it's uh i i think i think he's a really good fit for this book and there's a lot of i i think that uh splash page or the the double page spread in uh with barry and wally fighting is is really good um and then the page following it where linda like comes out of the portal the Mm -hmm. the like perspective on that is really fun um so yeah i I think this was a good looking comic yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially that I love that like uh the classic style with kind of the bende dots and the that that always looks good to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, an artist can do can do like bende dots or like even even like faux, you know, bende it it always looks good and and pushes those buttons for me. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And that's I, I'll I'll eat my words, but that's a gimmick you could return to over and over and over again, and I would love it. Every mm-hmm. time. Yeah, yeah, I I think so too, absolutely. Um, so uh, I guess what are you more excited about now? Barry going off to do Dark Crisis things, or or Wally and the Flash is going off to save the world? Always Flash family stuff. Okay, G- give me more Flash family. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I think I probably agree <laughs> just because on the record I have uh, not been that invested in, in Dark Crisis yet. But who knows? We shall see. The next issue is supposed to be the big turning point. So, um, But that's all I've got. Uh, do you uh, want to tell our listeners what books are coming out next week? I will, yes. Um, Action Comics 1046, Batman Fortress 4, Batman White Knight Presents Red Hood number 2. DC Mac 2, Deathstroke 12, Detective Comics 1063, Fables 154, uh, Harley Quinn 21, Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes number 5. That's still going. Wow. Um, cannot, cannot believe it. Yeah. Olympus Rebirth number 1, uh, Robin 17, Tales of the Human Target number 1, Task Force Z number 11, and The Swamp Thing number 16. Ooh, a lot of... A lot of uh interesting potential things we could talk about almost nothing that i'm just like dying to talk about but a lot of things that we could or and or maybe should talk about so yeah i'm looking at this i'm looking at this olympus rebirth and we should maybe i i don't know if, i don't know if it's going to be good or how excited i am but we should maybe look in on it i'm uh looking at this swimsuit variant for action comic <laughs> oh my respectfully of course <laughs> let me let me go let me go propaganda at this um well it's loading uh, i i hope uh brian is alive and well after being shot several times <laughs> by mr matt uh, um, i think oh here oh oh yeah interesting it is interesting <laughs> it's very very interesting. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Imagine uh, if there was a real costume in real life that looked uh, like that. Uh, we we would never. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, you can uh, once once Brian's consciousness is uploaded into the internet, you can find him at Brian Needs a Nap, uh, and I am at the Woke of Z and Vince. I'm all over Reddit. He is, yeah. Big Reddit guy now. Yeah. He uh he's asking how best to get into the acclaimed MMO Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh <laughs> is it too late for me? No, never. Uh <laughs> all right. Uh uh goodbye, I guess. How does Brian end these? I don't know. Uh he he usually says um enjoy your funny books yeah <laughs> probably something like, something like that and then there'll be a stinger where one of us talks about our penis yeah yeah goodbye folks no time for foreplay i'm here to fuck <laughs>